Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. How can you love? How can you agapeo God? How can you love him in that, in that wonderful way and yet hate your brother? And this word hate means to detest or pursue with hatred. There's quite a dichotomy between the two of them, isn't there? One is, is, is loving and the other one is hatred. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, difficulty in your heart even as a child of God. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have these moments where you're going to hate something. Um, but the overall tenure of your life... The tenor of your life is going to be loving. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. It is often easier for someone to proclaim his love for God because that regards a private relationship with an invisible God. But John rightly insists that our claim of loving God is false if we don't also love our brother and that this love must be seen. A person may know the word, may never miss a service, may pray fervently, and may demonstrate gifts of the Spirit. Yet in it all, that person may be like Cain, offering to God the fruit of his hands and not the fruit of the Spirit. And now, let's turn our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 20, and follow along with Pastor Rob. This morning, let's open up to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to pick up at verse 20. And let's just get right into it. We're going to have communion today, and time is fleeting, so let's just get right into the text this morning. Again, John is, is just uh, speaking about this love of God, and, and certainly not only the love that God has for us, but the love that ought to be emanating from us, the love that has been deposited in us by the Spirit of God. Those things, that, that, that the very life of God is in you, if you're a child of God, and that love should emanate from you. It should be a, something that's consistent. It should be more consistent, God's love from you, than hate and other things and other aberrations of our of our flesh. There, there should be a marked difference between us and the unbeliever. Otherwise, we have no assurance that we really are a child of God. Because if we are a child of God, there's, 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 def, there's fruit that is resultant from that relationship with Christ. And that fruit is seen. That fruit is very tangible to the eye. And even if it's not tangible to the eye, people sense it. Have you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden somebody who had a really filthy mouth and you just happen to walk into the room and all of a sudden they're apologizing for their filthy language because they know where you stand. And you didn't even say a word, just your very presence had an impact. And, and, and that is what the Spirit of God is and what he does in you. And, and that's the way it should be. That should be trending more that way instead of the opposite. Right? And so uh, John goes on here in verse 20, and he says, If someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, 
He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? How can you love? How can you agapeo God? How can you love him in that, in that wonderful way and yet hate your brother? And this word hate means to detest or pursue with hatred. There's quite a dichotomy between the two of them, isn't there? One is, is, is loving and the other one is hatred. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, difficulty in your heart even as a child of God. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have these moments where you're going to hate something. Um, but the overall tenure of your life the tenor of your life is going to be loving. And, you know, sometimes righteous anger is just fine. It's how we, anger is not the sin oftentimes. It's how we relate to that sin. What do we do with that anger? Do we lash out in, in harsh words and being critical? And, or do we try to, you know, as some people today in Chicago and other cities, they, they, they express themselves with guns and with knives. But see, God wants us to love. And it's quite a misnomer to say that I love God and yet hate someone, hate someone, detest them, wanting to put them down, wanting to pursue them with hatred. See, this is the real test for us um, and others who claim to love God but hate their brother or, or another person. And if you are unwilling to love our fellow man, how is it possible then to love God? It makes sense, doesn't it? Because we see the person in front of us. Can't we decide to love rather than to hate even if they deserve our hatred, even if they've done something really horrible to you. You know, I love that sometimes when, you know, a Christian is in a car accident, you know, you're driving along in that fancy new car you just bought, and somebody rear-ends you from behind, and, and you know, the person who bumped into you gets out of the car, and he's expecting a confrontation. And you get out of your car quietly, and you look at the damage, and you're just like, okay. You know, you're not, like, yelling at them. You're not screaming at them. See, there's a difference. Because they're expecting a fight. They're expecting a verbal tossing back and forth. And you meet it. You overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because even in our hearts, even when it may seem warranted, you have the ability, don't you, to choose to do something different. And see, this is where we have to make better decisions. Because our, our choices are very significant. And our choices demonstrate where we really are at. So I would encourage you to really think about that. When you're, because, you know, even your spouse knows the buttons to push to get you angry, and you have to, you have a choice to make. You can either respond back in, in bitterness and anger and let it fester. It's something wonderful when you respond to somebody in love when they're expecting you to do something back, and it's genuine, and it's, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's impossible without the Spirit of God in you. It changes them and it changes you. It really does. Try it sometime. Trust me, it works. It works when somebody's angry with you and you don't respond back in like manner. In fact, sometimes it's even better when you bless them and, 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 you know, regardless of what they've done and you do something to bless them. They're just like, what planet are you from? And they realize it's genuine. I tell you, it changes hearts. And it makes friends where there once was enemies. Consider it. You know, most people, or many people, say they love God, but many deceive themselves because they don't know what love is. There are many people in this world who really don't know what love is and, or how practically to demonstrate it. And see, because the Spirit of God is not in them, and because they may have never read the Bible or maybe never seen real love in action, 
It's foreign to them, and as a result, they never rise to its demand. They never rise to the occasion. They don't seek it. They don't seek the author of it, Jesus Christ. But if you love God and his spirit dwells in you, then you will or should have love and compassion for those whom God loves. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? The world, that means the gnarly and the crusty and the angry means the unlovable, the outcast. He so loved them that he gave his only begotten son. As a result of that, if that be the case, then is it possible for me, a child of God, called by the name of Christ, to be able to love that way? In John chapter 13, Jesus speaking, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And again, we've gone over these verses so much over the last three or so weeks because this This section that we're dealing with is just all about love. It's all about love and challenging us to love. But Jesus said that you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. There's the example. He is the example. And when I see that example, I know that it's possible because his spirit dwells in me. So I know it's possible for this old nasty heart to love. It's possible for me to love and you may be more fond of someone other, more than others, but you can still love and respect them, can't you? You don't have to be buddy-buddy, and that's okay. You know, we tend to put our love in one basket, in, in a handful of baskets. There's a handful of people that we really love, and we put all of our eggs in that basket. And did you know, you can have sacrificial love for others even when you don't have the greatest feelings for them at all. You, you have the capacity because God's love is infinite. And through you, he can love a lot more than what we're loving. He can love a lot more than our family, immediate family, and maybe even some really close friends. He has the ability through the spirit in you to work in such a way where your love doesn't grow thin. In fact, I think the more you love, the more he gives it. He gives you the ability to do it. You know, it's like I can, I can restrict the flow and say, Lord, I'm going to only love my wife and my kids And you know, you may do that, but you know what? If your heart is not right, eventually that's going to start to tarnish. It's going to start to get old. It's going to start to break down, and you're going to realize it's because I blocked the flow. But when you unblock the flow and you say, Lord, use me as your vessel, however you want to use me, let me tell you, you have the capacity to love so many people. And especially when you just let go. Just let go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of the nastiness. Let the love of God flow through you unhindered. And we do that by living a life that is pleasing to him. And, you know, sometimes we can establish new friendships even by accident, by just doing the right thing. Just by doing the right thing, we find that we make a friend. And because love is a choice, sometimes after we've made a decision to love, we end up being more fond of someone in the process that we weren't so fond of to begin with. Isn't it true? Love is interesting like that. Somebody who we weren't even interested in before, We don't even really care for them, really. We don't really like them. But we do something. We pray for them. Believe me, if you pray for an enemy, here's a secret that most people don't know. Maybe you know. But when you pray for somebody who doesn't like you, you've really got a problem with them. It could be a coworker. It could be a family member. You start praying for them, believe me, and you start praying for God's blessing upon their life and God's goodness toward them, you're going to be changed in the process of praying for them. And all of a sudden, your heart is not going to be so ugly toward them. And all you need is two flames to start a bigger fire. But once you vanquish one of the flames, there's really no fight anymore. And see, that's what we're called to do. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
And this goes along really well with this verse. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, speaking of Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and and your neighbor as yourself. And here he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus said to him, A certain man, and this is the parable, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which is very common in that day, that road was very treacherous, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him for half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest, underline priest, (laughs) came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and he passed by on the other side as well. But notice, a, a certain Samaritan. Samaritans in this day, as you know, were, were considered half-breeds by the Jews. They, the, the, they were Jews who mingled with the pagan, idolatrous, Gentile nations. And so they were half-breeds. They were looked upon, they were looked down upon. And I'm certain, you know, we don't understand anything about that in our day, do we? People looking down upon each other. That, that never happens in America. But that's what they did. They looked down upon the Samaritan. But notice where the love comes from. (laughs) So, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine to, to soothe and to cleanse that wound. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go, and you do likewise. See, it's often the the, the unexpected places. The Lord has a way of of changing us and, 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 and dealing with our bigotry at times. And certainly this man who was who had fallen among the thieves. Maybe he was one of those men who looked at the Samaritans and said, you know what, these people are lowlifes. These people are half-breeds. These are less than, uh, I, I don't even want to deal with them. Just being around them makes my skin crawl. You know, they're this, they're that. And then the names start coming out. He may have been one of those. And isn't it funny that the priest, actually it's not funny at all, but the priest and the Levite, men who are, who are representing God in the temple, Men who are supposed to be representing God. Those are the very men that turn the other way. Well, we're, our hands are too clean. I'm too good for that. I don't want to get dirty. I have a service. You know, and yet it's the Samaritan, the one that nobody cared for, the outcast. He's the one who stops, and he takes care of the man. And this is how love is to be demonstrated. That's how love is demonstrated. But see... But God loved us. He not only loved us, but he loves us when we deserve to be condemned and hated. That's the the truth of us. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, it says, "For for, For when we were still without strength, Paul says, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But this is the verse, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
You know, we can often hate one another because we don't know the real truth behind the words we hear or the motive behind somebody's actions. But God, he has perfect knowledge and he knows the truth of our character. And yet he loves us nonetheless. See, there's the example. He is the example. So again, we have a decision to make. This is amazing grace. That God would love us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. And not only did he care for us, but he died for us so that we wouldn't have eternal separation forever. Forever. I love that. Let's go on to verse 21 in our text. He says, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. It's interesting in, 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 the, in the verse that we just looked at in Luke chapter 10, you remember in verse 27, the, the lawyer said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he adds something, because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this section, and your neighbor as yourself, is not listed there. It's not there. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, remember, on a different situation, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him, and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And notice what Jesus said. He takes the Old Testament scripture, the Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he adds to it. And it's so wonderful. And he says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets can really be summed up in loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Because believe me, you love yourself. You dressed yourself this morning. You put something nice on. You washed it. You cleansed it. You fed it. You fed the body. And some of you, except for the men, dressed it up a little bit, put on a little foundation on it. We love ourselves, and we're supposed to love others as much as we love ourselves. So in 1 John chapter 5, he goes on, he says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. You know, I love this because uh, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This, we're going to look at this in just a second. In, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 23, we, we saw this verse earlier, but it says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You see, it's a package deal. It's not, some people would say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in this Jesus. Well, the Bible clearly says that if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father either. So you can't just say, well, I'm a worshiper of God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, God has given Jesus as the only means of salvation. You reject that salvation, and there's no hope for you. You either have him, if you have Christ, you have the Father also. But if you, if you just say, well, I love the Father, but I could care less about Jesus, guess what? <laughs> it doesn't bode well for you. You get both, if you get Christ, because in him all the fullness dwells. In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in his Son, Jesus Christ, and he is God's salvation. So when you reject that one salvation, there's no other hope. There's no other hope. But if you believe in Christ, then you have the Father also because the Father has testified that this is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world, equal with God the Father, equal with God the Spirit. They are inseparable. They are all one. They are not three. But see, it all revolves around Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, 
verse 8, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Because remember, at this time in history, the Gnostics were very much in full swing and deception and um, uh, heresy was running rampant. And so John is, 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 is trying to nail these things right to the cross. He said, Beware lest anyone, even Paul said this in Colossians, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according what? To the tradition of men. Tradition of God or the tradition of men? Which are you going to choose? Are you going to choose God's way or man's way? It's a decision you have to make today. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. It says in verse 9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? This word born in this verse is ganeo. It's a Greek word which can mean born like every one of us was born from our mother. We came out from the womb, every one of us, I think, right? Is there anybody who hasn't come out from the womb? No, we've all come. But it can also mean born, metaphorically, born as a child of God. And that can only happen when we receive the Spirit of God in us. And that's really what it means. And this phrase, born of God, occurs several times in this first letter of John's. It happens in John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, chapter 4, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 18, and even twice there, but it's referring to the new birth. It's referring to being born again. Born again. You remember in John chapter 3, let me just read it to you. I know you're familiar with this passage. But Jesus, speaking to Nicodemus, he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, this is the same exact thing, Ganeo anothen. Aren't you glad? I, I don't even know if that's right Greek pronunciation, but I think it is. But it's the same word. Born of God, born again, they're synonymous. They mean the same thing. It's the new birth. It's the Spirit of God in you. But Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you very religious man, you know all the laws, you know all the rituals, you're a very religious man, looked up to by all of Israel, but you need to be born again because you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are. And later on in verse um, 5, He said, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're all born out of water. Like I said before, when you were in your mother's womb, you were floating around that little amniotic sac. You were born of water, but you need to be born again. You need to be born from the spirit because we were born with a nature that is opposed and separated from God because of sin in our inherent nature, and it goes all the way back to the garden. We inherited that sin nature. And it doesn't take very long for that to be proven out when you have a young child, when you have a baby. I'll never forget my, our daughter when she was real little. She didn't even know. I'm so glad she's not in the room. But I'll hear, I'm sure she'll tell me about it later. Someone told me that you talked about me. She won't say it like that, though. She's very nice, very kind. She's a loving daughter. She's really sweet and wonderful. Trying to, you know. But it didn't take long for us to realize that selfishness and greed is already in there. Before she can even speak a word or even know that we're her parents, she's already holding stuff. Even before the word comes out, the attitude is there. It's like, where did that come from? Was that learned behavior? Did she see me do that? No, she didn't see. I mean, she could have, but she probably didn't. It's already in there. The nature is just selfish. It's, it's full of hate. It's full of 
self-preservation. I'm going to squash you so that I can elevate myself higher. That's what it's all about. That's why this idea of being born again or being born of God is so important. Let's go on to verse 2. He says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. See, if we love God and keep his commandments, we will be demonstrating God's love. By doing that very thing, we'll be demonstrating his love, not only for our fellow brothers and sisters. And our I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.